Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, this week, California had an election. Might be unnecessary to remind all of you listening. But uh, we thought we'd devote today's show to looking at the results for governor, where the only surprise, perhaps, if you weren't looking at the last-minute polls, is that there will be a Republican facing Democratic Lieutenant Governor Newsom in the November elections. That's GOP businessman John Cox. And we'll be looking at the race for State Superintendent of Public Instruction, where neither Tony Thurmond or Marshall Tuck got the necessary 50% or more to win the election outright. So they'll also be facing each other in the November elections. I actually stopped by Tony Thurman's campaign headquarters on election night, which was conveniently located near my house, and I caught a snippet of his speech to the supporters there after the election results had come in. And together, we will continue this race all the way to the finish line in November. We'll finish number one, and we'll make sure that the kids of California finish number one. Lewis, Tuesday turned out to be a shorter night than some of us had expected. Gavin Newsom outpaced everyone with about a third of the vote, and it became obvious early on that the race for second in the two, top two primary wasn't even going to be close. Cox got 26%, and flaming out in third with only 13% was former Los Angeles Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa. Well, we're very pleased to have Mark DiCamillo on the line. Mark is director of the UC Berkeley IGS poll. He's done polling for EdSource in the past. He's uh, one of the veteran pollsters in California and close observer of the California political scene. We wanted to get his thoughts on what happened in the election, particularly how education played out in, in those elections and what we can expect in the coming months. But I did start off by asking Mark, how did this new approach or relatively new approach to polling using internet-based questions rather than calling people directly, how did this work out in this election? Well, I think, uh, you know, we did quite well. I was very pleased with the performance of our methodology. In fact, the two stories that we released in the final week uh, proved to be very accurate. The headlines were Newsom and Cox, now the clear leaders in California's top two primary for governor. And then while Feinstein holds big lead in the U.S. Senate primary, the race for second place remains close. So I think that's what happened in the election. And if you uh, actually look at the numbers, uh, uh, the uh, numbers that we got for Villaraigosa are pretty much in line with uh, his percentage in the actual election. We had him at 13 percent in our final poll. I think that's just about where he is right now. It would be kind of tempting to characterize what happened with Villaraigosa as a defeat for charter school advocates or the charter school movement in California put so much money into it. They, of course, attacked Newsom. Do you think it would be fair to conclude that this was a defeat for charter school advocates? Well, I think the the charter school advocates uh, were defeated in that they lost a lot of money by backing Villaraigosa, but I don't think the issue itself was defeated. I don't think voters, when they were going to the booths, voting booths, or just voting by mail in the governor's race, were thinking uh, much about uh, charter schools. Uh, Certainly, the case to 12 schools is an issue in any gubernatorial race, but I don't think the issue dominated the airwaves, uh, and I don't think it dominated voters' minds when they were going to vote. 
both Newsom and Vera Gosa and several of the other candidates had very detailed platforms on education. What role at all did education issues play in, in the primary? Um, and what, to what extent do you think these, is, these will be issues at all in the general election campaign? I don't think that voters went to the polls with, uh, you know, a clear understanding of the detailed positions that the candidates had uh, on education or pretty much on, on nearly most other issues. They had impressionistic views uh, of, of the candidates. Uh, they kind of knew that the uh, uh, progressive side uh, uh, was probably favoring uh, uh, Newsom to some extent, uh, along with Easton, certainly others on the ballot. But uh, uh, that Villaraigosa was seen as a little more of a moderate, but in a California Democratic uh, uh, open primary, I think uh, it, it's not all that uh, great a strategy to per be perceived as the moderate. I think you have a uh, an electorate that very much veers towards the left on the Democratic side and the right on the Republican side, uh, and that's the nature of primary electorates. We don't expect, in fact, when all votes are cast, that more than 30 percent or so of the registered voters participated. Um, and I am certainly of the view that a general electorate is much more expansive, uh, much more inclined to uh, be kind of looking for the moderate position candidates. Uh, many more no uh, party preference voters uh, participate in general elections. But in primaries, uh, they're not there as much. And certainly it was a much older electorate. Uh, the younger uh, ethnic vote was not there. Uh, and even perhaps the constituency that's most likely to be uh, personally uh, influenced or affected by education issues were not there. Education, obviously, it takes up such a huge portion of the state budget. And um, governor has quite a lot of influence over how those funds are spent. You'd think there would be a real concern about this. Well, I think the tax issue will probably be one of the dominant themes coming out of Cox as he tries to battle Newsom in the general election. Uh, certainly the gas tax, which is on the ballot, will be something that he tries to leverage to his advantage. And I think that that's probably a winning issue for him, at least in the early going, because voters at this point are in favor of the repeal of the gas tax. So for Cox to be an advocate of that, it's a strong position for him. However, there there are very few other issues that I think are going to benefit Cox in this election. Uh, and I don't think uh, advocating cuts or even holding spending at current levels for the K-12 schools would be a popular position. I think uh, uh, Newsom's position that uh, the schools need more funding uh, would be well received by general election voters. That was Mark DiCamillo, who is director of the UC Berkeley IGS poll. I had a chance to speak with Fernando Guerra, a professor of political science and Chicano studies at Loyola Marymount University. He's an expert on L.A. politics. So I asked him whether things might have played out differently on education issues if the top two had been Newsom and Antonio Villaraigosa. Had Villaraigosa been number two, I would have uh, expected that the number one issue discussed would have been education and how to treat education. And it would have been forced by Viragosa, and it would have been forced also by groups that are very interested in having Newsom win and the money, the amount of money that would have been poured into both, both of those campaigns. It would have been one of the dominant number one or two issues throughout the campaign. Now it will be, I believe, almost completely ignored. 
Um, it's not a, a really in the platform of uh, Cox. Uh, there's no need for Newsom to really bring it up uh, because it's a, a given that most people, in terms of public education, even charter schools, et cetera, are going to be supportive of Newsom. And there's no strategic advantage for Newsom to bring it up, nor for Cox to bring it up. Therefore, it will be an issue that will be ignored, whereas it would have been the number one or two issue in a Vera Gosa Newsom race. So instead, will the money and attention now then focus on the superintendent of public instruction race with Tony Thurman and Marshall Tuck? That's the interesting thing. I also expect that, and it may be true, that more money may end up being spent for the race for superintendent of public construction than the governor's race uh, because that's the where you, you'll make a difference. In the governor's race, obviously, we have a you know, strong Democrat versus a weak Republican. I expect, I expect the Democrat, meaning Newsom, to get any above 60% of the vote, maybe even above 65% of the vote. It is going to be a runaway election. Whereas you have two Democrats running for superintendent of public instruction, though they are different on education issues, uh, you're going to see a, a very close race. Even though Marshall Tuck ended up with more votes in the primary, it's not a given that he'll end up number one. And, and it, it is a competitive race. Therefore, money and all the attention will make a difference. And so you're going to see a lot of money being spent in that uh, in that election. That was Francisco Guerra, who is a professor of political science and Chicano studies at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. We're going to have to see how this how this plays itself out, because actually it's, it's not an equal battle. I mean, if you look at who has the deepest pockets, clearly if you add the total assets of the multi-billionaires, it is far exceeds what unions have at their disposal to spend. So if you ask me, and of course it's not my money, I think the smart money therefore would have gone to legislative races because it's the legislature who is, that is going to decide the issue of charter schools, not the superintendent of public instruction, which has no say, direct say, in the authorization of charters or in writing bills that would amend the charter law. Well, it's, it's also true that the Charter School Association advocates and Ed Voice, uh, which set up these independent expenditure committees, they are backing candidates in legislative races as well, but not at the same level as the funds that have gone into the gubernatorial and uh, the superintendent of public instruction race. Yeah, of course. Well, the CTA has been doing this for, for decades, supporting candidates in legislative races. So it, it's the same story. But John... What do charter school advocates hope they would get from the superintendent that would warrant investing millions of dollars in the campaign like they did four years ago? I think it's probably who is the spokesman on the issue of charter schools. Now, we've talked because to... They, because the superintendent doesn't have a direct power right. to, to authorize charters. I mean, that's at the state level. It's a state board of education. And, of course, most of the charters are authorized by districts. Exactly. But... It is the official with the loudest megaphone in the state on K-12 issues. And so I'm assuming that whoever wins will have a voice on this issue, which will go before the legislature next year. But just to clarify, Marshall Tuck himself says he is not pro-charter at the expense of regular public schools and that this whole issue is kind of overblown. It's not a pro-charter versus anti-charter 
that to characterize him as pro-charter versus anti-charter doesn't really capture the the nuances of this position. And in fact, that's what Tony Thurman says. There isn't that much difference between the two candidates on the overall issue of charters. My fear is that after the big money come in with the ads, which are going to attack each of them, a lot of this nuance is going to be lost. I think, frankly, it's going to be difficult to recognize the candidates after listening to the ads that we're going to hear. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. Next week, we're looking forward to having Tom Armelino, the new director of the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence, on the line. He has just been appointed to take over from veteran educator Carl Cohn. And we're going to be interested to hear his thoughts about how this very small agency can have an impact on improving education outcomes for kids in a state the size of California. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks to our sponsor, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation. You can find us on iTunes and online at edsource.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.